Welcome to the Registered Members Only cast for December 2006. Hi everyone, this is Mike, and welcome back. And for our holiday season members only cast, we're going to do something very special. Well, maybe not. For most of you, this probably feels decidedly unlike a holiday. Interviewing on short notice. Now, have you ever had to interview someone on short notice? Ever felt like you didn't know what to ask or how to evaluate the answers? Well, you're not alone. Unfortunately, most managers just wing it. And that's more than just ineffective. We think it's wrong. The danger wing is not only do you feel uncomfortable, you just look bad, and you don't get good information upon which to make a judgment of the candidate. And the other real danger is that the candidate can tell you're winging it, and that reduces your chance of hiring the best candidates. So what is a Manager Tools manager to do? In this cast, we'll share with you the Manager Tools quick and dirty interview technique, a few simple questions that always work. Now there's a lot more to handling situations like that, and we'll be covering those in the future in our How to Interview series. But for now, when no, I don't have time doesn't get you off the hook, this is what to do. So we're going to talk about uh, interviews and actually something that I thought I'd never say years ago, Mike, which is quick and dirty related to interviewing because so often <laughs> that's how people do it, but they don't do it well. They come up, they, they walk up to a manager and say, you know, here, uh, or you know, they, they get approached and say, hey, you need to interview this person. We've got a hole in their schedule. No, I, I hated it. I got asked to do those all the time, and I always thought it was so flipping stupid. Yeah, why? I, I probably agree with you, but why? Go ahead, share why. Look, if you're not gonna, if you don't want to do a good job at interviewing, then just don't, don't do it. And, and doing a good job takes forethought, takes a plan, a resume review, and that, that, you know, just to name a few things. Yeah, yeah. We're okay. Good. We're we're in agreement. I, I probably, um, I, I get in trouble sometimes for asking people to really be truly professional about all things managerial. And sometimes I think people think, gosh, he's, he's asked me to spend hours on everything when I only have five minutes. But, 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 but when it comes to you, you know, in terms of your experience level and so on, my guess is that your reputation as a, as a great people leader, as a recruiter, as a developer of talent meant that, you know, you got asked maybe even far more often than other managers did. I mean, I, I don't know, assuming reasonable intellect, some of the managers aren't going to ask the ones that do a terrible job, even though you didn't like doing it. Well, it's more than just not liking it. I mean, I didn't like doing them because it wasn't effective. Okay, what's your reasoning there? Well, look, at one of the core reasons I had great teams is because I was so careful on the front end of it. I spent lots of time interviewing <sighs> and scouting. I was always scouting. I mean, if I was going to meetings... And you know, I, there was a parade of managers, junior level managers that were right. in front of me. I, you know, I was listening to what they were saying, but I was evaluating every single one of them. I, I remember one particular meeting where the uh, the CIO of, of the business unit I was supporting was having this this IT meeting, and all the you know senior directors and um, were there, and we were having a parade of you know that that little parade of managers going through briefing all their projects for two days. Right, right. Very, very exciting. 
<laughs> and I remember getting like three quarters of the way through these mind-numbing presentations. This is after a day and a half, and I just about had it. Um, and then this one particular person walked up, gave her overview of her project, and I immediately knew that she was going to work for me someday. And it wasn't. It was probably a year and a half later where, until I made it happen. But you know, I I had this. I had this. I always had this updated mental bench of talent that I could draw on. And when I decided yep. to interview someone, I knew what I needed them to do. I knew how I wanted them to fit into the team. And I and by that time, I knew them pretty well. And their interview was really to dig in and be certain. Uh, okay. Well, wait a minute. No, um, you're not saying you were poised to say yes in the interview. No. 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 Look, we've said it many times. Interviewing <laughs> is all about saying no. But my point is that I was ready to interview. I was interviewing for me and my team, and the subtleties were available to me because I was well versed in the fit, the need, you know what the organization needed. My point here is that others in the organization asked me to do a quick and dirty interview based on my success with people, but it was kind of a post hoc ergo proctor hoc mistake. I think I think that's right because it's been a while since I've taken. A I think you got it right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they they assumed I could do for them what I was doing for myself, and you just can't do that you know look yeah look at i i see my role as recruiter interviewer as a big game hunter okay if you're hunting wolves you know you just don't show up with a bb gun head out head out into the woods and start looking for for wolves you're you're gonna get eaten you know so <laughs> you got you gotta stu- you gotta study your prey i'm sorry if if folks who are interviewing out there you know if i Look at them as prey, but you got to study your prey. You got to study the environment. You got to figure out how you're going to go attack it. Then you go out and hunt. And when you bag the prey, you celebrate. Right. Dude, you know, recruiting is not a chore, it's a hunt, it's fun. Yeah, it, it, yeah. In fact, for the vast majority, they can never make it successful um, because they think of it as a chore, so they're not going to apply themselves. Whereas if you flip your mindset and go, you know, I'm going to. I don't really see this as an opportunity to get a great person, and and it's it constantly feeds on itself. You're looking constantly for people, and then you're more and more ready every time you do it. Yeah, I think we're completely on the same page. Um, but but you know, you have a fundamentally different mindset. Um, how how did you did have to do short notice interviews though, didn't you? Oh sure, I had to. I mean, it's it's pretty rare that you can avoid them. You know, maybe every once in a while you can, but. Like if every time somebody asks you to chip in and help interview somebody, say no. Well, you know you're not a team player anymore, so y- yeah, you, ha- you have no choice. Now sometimes you can get away with it, and in in those cases, you know they can they assume it's a scheduling thing or or something you know that's in the way of uh, you have some time constraints rather than a choice about value. Yeah. Um, so you were you, when you were doing it, you were much more likely to making be making a choice about value in terms of their process and also your value, the potential value to your team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Okay, so so okay, we're in agreement then. Managers are going to get asked, and they're going to say yes. Yep. And in this cast, we're going to talk about some simple, you know, rock-solid questions that you can ask that don't require a lot of, you know, preparatory work. And um, we're going to identify some of the kind of obvious stumbling blocks to these kind of quick and dirty interviews. 
Okay, great. So what are the basics? Okay. In typical manager tools fashion, you have <laughs> five parts. Yeah, yeah. So you're not you're not the only one that can come up with five parts, my friend. Okay. I, except, I bow to thee, sir. <laughs> except I'm gonna have five and not five and a half or five and three oh, quarters, okay. something like that. Nice. So, nice. <laughs> so preparatory recommendations. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some preparatory stuff ahead of time to kind of get people in the right frame of mind. Some warm up questions, some substantive questions some resume questions, and then some follow-up. Okay, great. So let's start with the preparatory stuff. Okay. Now, once you get asked, there are a couple things you need to keep in mind that are going to improve your chances of being successful. First, you've got to get time to review the resume before you talk to them. Look, you cannot go into an interview if you haven't had a chance to review the resume. Look, I feel so strongly about this that like, if, if I can't get the resume before they walk in, you know, I, I just I won't do it. Okay, well, you, you've already said you would do, do the interview, so, so why do you feel so strongly about that? Well, it goes to our earlier point about the message we're sending to candidates. Maybe not all candidates are going to get it, but the top ones will. And, of course, oh. those are the ones and those are the ones that you want to hire, of course. Okay. Okay, and so reading the resume in front of them just screams that we're not ready, we're not professional, we haven't talked about you in advance. You know, it's happened to me when firms tried to recruit me. And it was so noticeable, I almost chuckled about it. Particularly for your, for your background, because you were used to doing it. So you being comfortable delivering in an interview and having done them, you were able to have a little part of you sitting outside of your, the experience watching them interview you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then notice, okay. I said, notice I said almost chuckled. I made a habit of not laughing at people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so what do I do if they literally hand me a resume and say, here's the candidate? Okay, look. You just can't say no. I mean, that's that's okay. that's that's hard to do. So just you know, qualify. Give them a time-based no. It's going to sound something like this: Look, I've just been handed something else, and I can't give this candidate a fair shake at this time. I can rearrange my calendar and see them, at, you know, at noon or three o'clock this afternoon. But now I just can't do it right now. Mm-hmm. So, so what I'm doing is I'm just buying time, time to look at the resume, even if it's a half an hour. You know, I'm not going to look like an idiot, and that the company's not going to look like an idiot. I'm going to have a much better shot of doing a fair interview and and get something out of value for both me and the the candidate. And and and, and not dig yourself a hole, but actually get a chance to sell, perhaps if you really like them, uh, as opposed to just scrambling through their resume. That preparation um, will allow you to sell if you find somebody who's really really good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so look, so what you're saying is whatever we do, that time-based note, we're going to give ourselves some time to prep. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And it wouldn't hurt to go back to the manager or HR person who asked you, to, you know, to, to say, hey, look, I'm always happy to interview people, but I've got, you know, I've got to have 30 minutes to prep. And if you give me that, I'll do the interview. But if you can't, you know, just, you know, please ask somebody else, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm that serious about interviewing. I, you know, I think... You got to do it. Now, look at this is a great place to go back and use the peer feedback model. If you haven't listened to the peer feedback model, if you haven't listened to the peer feedback model, go and listen to it. This is a great opportunity. Brilliant, brilliant. Because you know, really, what you're saying is you're not pinning it on the other manager. You're not being a jerk and saying, "Hey, look, give me 30 minutes, or else I won't do it." What you're saying is, "Hey, look, I'm just not that good enough." I, you know, there might be other people who can do it on the spur of the moment, but I need 30 minutes. Good. So, so, you, what else, so what else on preparation? Okay. Well, it's related, but don't read the resume in front of the candidate. 
You, you know, it's 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 funny. I actually we talk. I I, I see that so often. It, it 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 stuns me that managers don't recognize it. Look, once you've taken the time to study it, not and look, nobody studies it completely, and I don't think candidates even think that. Don't send the wrong message by doing what everybody else does in the quick and dirty situation, which is to read the resume, because now you're just broadcasting, I'm not prepared. Right. But, but what's interesting, I think what managers miss is you don't need to know it all. There's no way that you can know it all. You're not supposed to memorize it. Um, you need to know the basics, and you need to ask about a part of it. The fact is, any interview is going to have a series of questions about part of the resume, not all of it. So rather than sending a message that, I'm unprepared and I can never know all of it anyway, you simply don't read it in front of them and ask about parts of it. And by delving in details there, they're going to get the strong impression that you've done your due diligence in advance and you're not sending the wrong message by not reading it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then and then added to that, look, don't tell them, don't say, I read your resume. That's a To me, that's a red flag saying, you know everything, or what's worse, you're just feeling bad that you didn't read the whole thing, or heaven forbid, you're bragging about it. Um, yeah. Let them assume you know. Let, let them assume you did by how you conduct yourself, right? Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Which which really comes from the questions, and yeah, exactly. Good. Okay. So, what about warm up questions? Okay, I recommend two of them. Now, okay. it's not as many as I might normally ask, um, but they're you know, but they're just standard. I've seen some interviewers who want to use spur of the moment questions. But you know, I found that most of the time they're they're pretty lame, you know, and they're <laughs> and they're seen as being you know as covering for a lack of preparation. So with a little thought ahead of time and some standard questions, you're likely to have a much better result. Okay. So okay. So the first question I oh, I almost always ask this question: What business news have you been following lately? Now notice I said business news. You know, I don't ask about general news, you know, pop culture that that kind of stuff, you know, because Frankly, I did that. I did that a couple times, and I started getting such bizarre answers. I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even know where to go with it. Like you know, the latest you know, paparazzi photos of Britney Spears or something like that. It's like eh, right, right, too much information. So, so I refine it to business news, and, and what I'm looking for is I want to see how people respond. I want to see if technical people choose something non-technical. You know, I don't mind significantly if they choose a tech topic. But if it's, you know, arcane, I see that as being a little less responsive, you know? So okay. are, are they well-rounded? You know, are they, are they showing interest in my industry? You know, for example, if somebody's coming out of, say, the uh, financial industry, and I'm in right. a telecommunications company, well, if, if I ask them what they're following and they talk about the financial industry, well, they're, you know, they're not, they're not interested in telecommunications. Why are they talking to me? So, right. um, and are they interested in engaging me? You know, if I'm an advertising right. exec, and they and they start talking about IT topics, well, again, that shows right. kind of a lack of um, in, interpersonal skills, perhaps. That, yeah, communication. That I want yeah, to right. Why you you use the word following? Why you said what business news have you been following lately? Ah, you picked up on that. Yeah, I, I like that word, but I but I don't really know what you're meaning there. I, I use that word because. I expect them to be able to sustain a conversation around it. It's not a simple yes or no. I want a conversation. I want to be able to follow up and see what they're thinking. Because really the thinking process we're getting into here, right? You know, right, okay. Like I said, I'm looking for, you know, is there interest in, in the business world? Or is there interest in my company? Does, mm -hmm. does, does their answer make sense to me and my company? Not them. 
right? Are they focused on me and my company? I'm interested in what kind of level of knowledge they have. So, of course, the conversation is important to delve into that. Right. Um, and then I want to see what kind of critical thinking they've done. And can they share it persuasively with me? Yeah, I found a lot that there there, there is some critical thinking that happens. Um, but sometimes people really struggle to communicate about it. And if you've got brilliant thoughts, but you're not communicating them, you're not going to get a lot of credit for them in the in the in the business world of today. Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's, that's a problem. That's, that's a great, that is a great question. Okay. Next one. Now, the second question, you know, what's, and again, I, these, these two questions are just, they're, they're dirt simple and I use them all the time. Right. What's the latest book you've read and what did you like or learn from it? Okay. Now, okay. first, first I'm trying to find out one simple thing. Do they read? Are they reading on a regular basis? <laughs> you, know? you know, we've talked about it before. Like I'm, like I'm not going to hire somebody who who doesn't read, even at an right. entry level. You know, lack okay. of, lack of reading correlates to me. You know, a lack of desire for learning and professional development. And this question gets to that real quick and dirty. Okay. I also want to see if it's a business or professional book, and that they didn't just skim it or. You know, they, they got something out of it, that the learning mm -hmm. stuck and it was valuable. Now, if it's not professional, I also want to see they, what they got out of it. Now, by the way, if their first response is, you know, a, a fictional book, you know, I'll, we'll see what they got out of it. But, I'll, you know, I'll give, them, I'll give them a second shot. I'll go, what else? And, and then? And then? And, oh, okay. Uh, and then, and then, and then. Okay. Famous and then. Okay. So, yeah. so, so I'll, I'll give them another I'll, shot. Yeah. I... I, I I'm a reader as well, and I always ask about reading. Um, and uh, for professional books, I try. Sometimes I fail at this, quite frankly, um, because I'm so excited about talking with someone who's, who's read the same books as I have or even just one. I try not to indicate whether I've read it or not. I, I, I want the heat to be on them. Um, now, often people ask me, have you read it? And I think they do, do so based on my facial expression. So I try to mute that as much as I can. Um, and I think whether I've read it affects their answer, which I don't like. Sure, right. And, and look, I, I admit it. I, I, I've said in their question, have you read it? I go ahead and say something like, tell me about it, as a way of not suggesting that I have read it and still wanting them to teach me about it. Um, so, so I, I, I'm willing to be a little bit vague because I want to see how they would describe it rather than us talking about some one particular in-depth point um, from the world is flat, for instance. I could, I, if somebody said their latest book was World, of flat, world is Flat and I said, oh, how about that McDonald's story? I, I'm, I'm blowing my own interview, in my opinion. I'm making it less effective. Um, and then one other thing I just want to mention, sorry, um, on non-professional books, um, if the person I'm talking to is not a slam dunk on interpersonal skills, just somebody who's fabulous that I'm just really impressed by communication skills and sensitivities and so on, I get more worried when they talk about a book. Again, I'm talking about a non-professional book and they don't talk about the characters in it. If the people don't appeal to them and they're not impressing me with their interpersonal skills, I have a concern. I see that as being related. Those are related themes that were that this person may in fact have all the technical skills I need, but may in fact fail on the interpersonal side, which is so often where people fail. Yeah, that's a great one. And, yeah. You know, the bonus for me is when they can describe the, the characters and they talk about the characters, 
but then they draw correlations between those people and the events <laughs> in that fictional book and real life. That's oh, man. That, that is when I get really, really excited. Yeah, but, but, but should we not put a caveat in here that if everybody thinks that they're going to go out and start interviewing people and people are going to start doing that once a week, they're going to be deeply and gravely disappointed when it doesn't happen for two or three years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, and one more thing I want to mention. I, I think it would be very easy. I, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. I think it would be very easy for for people to say, oh, well, Mike shared his, and so I'll come up with my own, uh, you know, ones that I'm comfortable asking. And, and, and I, I, think, I hope you would think that was fine. But, but the, I believe that what you're telling us is the two questions, you've thought about them. You understand their interaction. You understand the underlying piece makes it much easier to evaluate the answer rather than just asking any old question designed to be a warm-up and saying, I asked the same two warm-up questions. That's not what a quick and dirty interview, a really good quick and dirty interview is. A really good quick and dirty interview not only has the same questions over and over again, but but understands why you're asking them what you're looking for and, and has a, a sense of how to evaluate the answer. That's what makes it powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think we've talked about this before, which is, which is one, of the common prob- uh, one of the common mistakes folks make on interviews particularly when you know there's four or five uh, interviewers interviewing the candidate over the course of the day, is they ask different questions. Yes. So, so if, we, if that's true there, in, in those circumstances, then it, it follows that you as an individual ought to be asking very similar questions because then you're, you're amassing this storage of yes. information and, and background and experience that you can evaluate the answers in. I, I'm a firm believer in some consistency amongst the questions you're asking. Now, they don't have to be these two questions. I, 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 I like these questions, and I think they have a lot of merit. I've used them for a long time, and there are a lot of reasons, many of which we've shared here, for asking right. these questions. But if you, want, if you want to pick two different questions, then fine. But, but pick two and stick to them. Yes. And so that after you've asked them 30 times, when you get a really unusual answer that sounds good, you'll really truly know it's unusual rather than switching them all the time and never really getting a sense of being able to compare and contrast the history. Yeah, Um, exactly. Good. Okay, so let's move on. Substantive questions. Okay. There's some really easy guidance in terms of substantive questions on quick and dirty interviews, and it's a lot easier than folks think. Oh, good. You know, I look for four of them. That's it. Four of them, but all behavioral in nature. And the first two are really simple. I get them by looking at the person's resume, and I just circle two different bolts or accomplishments on the resume. And then I ask them, simple, tell me about when you, and then I just reread part of the bullet that was on their resume. I leave the questions pretty broad, and then I try to see if they can organize their answer for me versus just telling me, you know, a long story. And this happened, yeah. and this, then this, then, you know. Yeah, yeah, the you end, know, end, can, end they, right. can they organize it in some coherent fashion? And, you know, sometimes without guidance, you get rambling answers that are horrible. And, frankly, I'm looking for that. Well, okay, but, but I got to ask. You, you say you look at their resume for bulleted accomplishments. What if their resume is devoid of bulleted accomplishments? Um, and why am I interviewing this person? <laughs> well, well said. Uh, let's not both go off on a, on a resume rant. We're here to talk about interview questions, I guess. Look, okay. if, if their resume is that bad, I just simply skip those two questions and go right to my two standard ones. But it's important to note, if I do ask those questions, I always ask them first. Why is that? Well, because they're purposely unstructured. All I ask is, tell me about. I'm looking for them to show me something about their communication skills, about something that they should obviously be ready to talk about. Now, 
they're not ready to talk about their accomplishments. There's there's a whole bunch of other things we need to talk about. And right. They, they've, they've done this thing already. They prepared the resume. We're just asking them to remember it. Right. You know, okay. With, and you'll see with my next two questions, I give some structure. If I do those first, the structure I provide carries over to my broader questions, and I don't get to see really how well they do without guidance. You know, how well do they think on their feet? How well do they communicate something without, you know, without structure? You know, can they I, add I, structure I, yeah. to, to something that's, that's inherently unstructured at first? Right, right. Or, or at least the structure being and then, and then, and then, which is not a, is not a persuasive form of communication. Yeah, you know, I'm just going right. to be a salesman here for just a second. I, 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 this is, this is going to be one of my favorite casts just because we're trying to help managers do something that they get asked to do repeatedly. And I, I can't imagine that many people have this kind of approach that has structure and background and so on. And that comes from my background and your background and so on. But, but the thing that I find really interesting about this is just just the quick and dirty interview alone is powerful. Look, ask these questions and, and build up a database so you can get better and better and better at evaluating people's answers to these questions. I think, though, what you just shared about asking the two tell me about questions first so that you don't tell them what the structure is going to be is one of those subtleties that just makes for a tougher and better and a more discerning, when I say tougher, probably too hard a word, a more discerning interview. That's the kind of, uh, of extra level of detail that I think is just a gem in a cast like this. So, sorry, yeah, I'm, yeah. Just, I'm just a fan of listening to you. This is great, by the <laughs> way. This cast is a lot of fun for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. so uh, I really, I mean, that's one of the most insightful comments about interviewing, and I've heard a lot of them that I've, that I've ever heard. Well, you know, some people wonder how I got where I got in my career. Well, great people and yeah. uh, interviewing people. You, know, you don't get great so, people unless you know how to interview. It, it's not it's not smoke and mirrors because that's what I that's what I tell my friends about you. <laughs> I tell my friends you got where you are through smoozing. So, oh, <laughs> and then I have to come run around real quick and say, "But I'm an engineer. But I'm an engineer. I did good in school." <laughs> yeah, sure, uh, you did, yeah. Okay, okay, now, now, but this is, now it's my turn. I, I get to, um, are you going to let me share the standard questions, or do you yeah. want to go ahead and do it? No, you get to do it. Oh, okay, good. I, I, can, um, I can see a little uh, mic envy on your side there. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, secretly. That's, when I, wanna, when I grow up, I want to be Mike. Um, and I'm just hoping I don't ever grow up. Um, so both of my questions, bo nice both guy. of our questions are simple. Tell me, they, they sound like this. Tell me about a time when you blank, when you did X. How did you do it? And what were the results? Now, look, that means they're behavioral questions, obviously. What I do to create the exact question is I review the past year or so of my team's performance, and I look for both a big success or a big failure or a big stumble. Um, to create the questions, I ask myself this. What do I think was the underlying skill or ability or trait or characteristic that really drove the success? or the absence of which caused the failure. And those are the behaviors I focus on. So it might sound like, tell me about a time where you had to persuade a ton of people with a lot of divergent interests uh, in your organization to get on board with a new plan or initiative. How did you do it? And what were the results? This question, it would follow from something that's happened before where one of my team literally did just that. They went out and, and dotted the I's and crossed the T's and t touched lots of people and shook hands and kissed babies and so on and did the political thing for a month in advance so that everybody felt like they were collaborating. They did it well. Um, or, or if they didn't do those things and it was obvious that we didn't have buy-in up front, um, and I feel like if we failed to do it on a big project, 
I want somebody who can do that kind of thing. Now, note, I, I don't tell them about what's driving my question. They don't need to know that it's designed to compare to what recently has happened. I'm not going to tell them that we had a recent success, and so this was something that was important to it, and I want to see if you have it. Um, I'm just looking to see whether or not they've got skills that my team had or needed, uh, and that they can talk about it. And and this is where I think sometimes interviewing gets a, a bum rap, but I do feel that if they can't talk about it, they're less likely to be able to repeat it. And that's kind of a core of behavioral interviewing, right? That, that we interview about people's past behaviors because that's the best predictor of the future. And because interviewing is the second worst form of evaluation and all the others are tied for last, um, we have to ask them questions. And so that this is the structure of the questions. But it really is about their behavior. Yeah, you know, I, I love it for a couple reasons. The, the, the second being kind of self-interested and the, the, the first being maybe more pertinent here. But the, the first reason I, I, I love it is because it gives you a, you're asking something, you're asking a question about an experience that you've experienced, you know, something that you know yes. you've done. You're, you've seen people struggle with it. You struggle with it. You've been successful or unsuccessful. So you have a background with which to evaluate the answer. I mean, if not, Good. you might as well ask them, you know, tell me how to build a nuclear reactor. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Even, right. even if they answered it perfectly, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't have any experience with which to evaluate the answer. So I, I well, love you, that. You, makes... you wouldn't. You, you wouldn't. I, I actually would. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look, we, we established a long time ago that you were smarter than me. So oh, sure, we don't sure, need sure. to go back into that. So, <laughs> so I like you know I, I like it for that that reason. Good. It makes evaluating the answer much easier. The second thing, and, he, and we've talked about the dark mark. Well, the the evil mic comes out a little bit. Is I love the question because. I might get something out of it. I might learn something, you know. How, uh, you know, when you go yeah. into an interview, and if you ask this question, you think this way, and you know that every interview you go into, you have a framework where you might learn something, you might get something out of it. I mean, how much more enjoyable is that, that interview going to be for you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you greatly increase the chances you get a bonus out of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so just one more thing i just say. Um, um, I, I have my questions written down with space between them. And look, because if I marry these questions with your questions, I can pull out a quick and dirty interview form, which has the two prep questions on, on the top of the page with the whole page blank. And then the second page is the second warm-up or prep warm-up question. And then I have my four questions and I, I leave space on on two of them for the interview, for, for the resume questions. And I just leave a blank page so I can take notes. And I don't have to worry about getting my ducks in a row. I've just got a few printed off ready ready to go in my in my desk. Now, okay, um, you were going to share some follow-up thoughts? Yes. Yeah, and this is, and, and really this is one of my favorite things. This okay. is where you will really impress the heck out of your colleagues. I mean, w when you give your interview feedback to whoever to whomever you owe it to, you give it to them in three or four parts. And these parts are... There's, wait, wait, there's, wait, wait, you, mean, you mean like you, you send them one email and then another email and another email? No, no, no. One email or one phone conversation okay. broken right. into four concise parts. Okay. Okay. First of all, here are the four parts, and we'll talk about how to do it. Interpersonal. Okay. You know, how well did they interact with you and why you say it? Okay. Cultural. Okay. How well did they fit into the firm and why you say that? Okay. Skills. What you saw in the four behavioral questions we, oh, okay. we talked about earlier, right. including how they communicate their answers, and then why you say that, right? and technical. Now, this is the fourth. 
you know, and it only applies if you can add value. And, and then again, why you say it. Okay. So in other words, so in other words, the technical one, the fourth, you, if if you are more technical than me, if you and I are co-managers, Mike, and you ask me to interview somebody, and I may have a, a testing order, and you've got a development order or something, and I really don't have great insight into what you're looking for for this particular person, you're saying. I wouldn't provide that fourth yeah, step. Yeah, That's yeah, why yeah. it's three or four. Okay. Yeah, no, only okay. if I have some special knowledge or skills that 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 I have some, you know, that I, okay. that I can weigh in on it. Okay. Okay. And then you notice on all these, I said at the end, and why you say that. Here's what you do: you give okay. your feedback in a very structured, very structured way every okay. single time. It sounds like this: category, your evaluation. And then the behaviors, hmm, that sounds familiar, in the <laughs> interview that caused that judgment. So, for example, now persuasion, I found weak. When I asked how he convinced someone, he just said he went to their boss and got approval. Or, for example, communication skills, excellent. He answered concisely, came back to my probes with clear answers, and admitted a mistake openly. Very simple. Oh, Category. wow. So, so in other words, I mean, you're, you're, I can just, I can see a lot of colleagues of yours being very impressed that, that it's organized, that you're, you're not, you're not intending to spoon feed them, but it's as if, man, you, you saw them three ways to Sunday and, and are able to deliver a, a, a really cogent evaluation. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I can see them being impressed. Yeah, they're, they're, they're amazed. You know, they're, <laughs> how many times do people take the time to be so professional, succinct? Uh, particularly when a lot of times these folks asked you at the very last moment. Short notice, so, yeah. yeah. So short notice and then professional results just always, you know, never fails to impress people. Right. And I just want to reiterate, though, the, the really powerful piece is the why. The fact that you're giving specific behaviors that underpin your guidance or judgment. Yeah, so in other words, it's not, I just didn't like the guy. Even, you know, even if you don't get up on the horseman, uh, behavior is a believable soapbox. <laughs> the, <laughs> Let's not do that. The fact that you can note observable behavior will be noticed. Their evaluation of you will be incredible. Wow, that's, I, I tell you, that's, um, I like it. That, that's, to me, that's meta-communication, that you're organizing in a way that makes it easy for the person to consume the information. And you get a huge bonus, in part because nobody else is anywhere near this level of credibility or, or preparation. And it's not something that our listeners have to, they don't have to spend a whole lot of time getting ready for. They, they've got the raw material right here. Okay, yeah. so. And, it, and if you follow these steps, uh, your yeah, quote-unquote quick and dirty interview will be better than 95% of, I mean, that's probably low, but at least better than yeah, at least 95% yeah. of the interviews that uh, are not quick and dirty, supposedly. Imagine, imagine what a full interview is like. The depth and, and breadth of it is great. Okay, look. So four parts. Uh, you got preparation. Okay, we we talked about reading the resume. A couple of warm up questions. Um, two or four substantive questions, depending upon whether or not we've got a we've got a resume. Um, and then uh, some how to how to deliver the follow up uh, answers in terms of giving feedback. Yeah, that's it. Thanks, man. All right, my pleasure. And there it is, some simple techniques when you have to get into your hurry-up offense two-minute drill on interviewing. And speaking of drills, you know the drill. Get to the discussion boards and give us some feedback. You got any interviewing horror stories you want to share with us? We'd love to hear them. In any case, enjoy the holidays, and we'll see you all again next year. So long. So long.